Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? You told us when it could be time to panic. Well, is it time to panic? Well, let me just tell you, folks, it's never going to be time to panic because we're never going to give up. We're not going to give up on America. America is worth it. America is worth it fighting for. America's worth not giving up. And while we have that attitude of not giving up, we are constantly going to be searching, strategizing, coming up with ways to prevail. We've got the basics. We have we have millions and millions of Americans that are fed up. Can't wait to do something about it. There will be a series of ideas that people come up with based on Dealing with the fraud that we know we have to deal with. You're not alone. You're not a singular individual all by yourself out there trying to fight these people by yourself. There are 74 million plus and growing. We're not going to give up on America. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. This is the third hour of the Wendy Bell Radio Program. You know, I'm a mom. I have five sons. I look at the world the way you do. 30,000 feet. I look at all of the things going down there below me. It's so obvious. It's so clear. It's so disappointing. And every day we spend three hours going through the headlines. You probably aren't going to get other places. Is it? It's important. And today's theme is, is really about the, these enemies among us. And whether it's the propaganda pushed by the media or it's this idea that you are an enemy or you rather you are a a problem. If you are a whistleblower, if you see something and say something, remember that when we were supposed to do that? If you see something, say something. Now, if you say something, you get the FBI rolling up hot and heavy outside your door. Carting you away like Douglas Mackey who put out a a meme, a political meme that he thought was funny, that he thought would make his friends chuckle. Seven months in prison he got after he was arrested at his house, pretty much dragged out of his house and treated like, I don't even think, a third-class citizen. This is where we are. Now, when your whistleblowers are people within once-trusted institutions... Think a whistleblower who works within the auspices of medicine. Somebody who's at the CDC. Somebody who's at the FDA or the NIH. They blow the whistle. Fired. We will destroy your life. Beyond that, the system that I think our country is predicated on in dark circles is bribery. It is blackmail. I think that is such the lion's share of filth and scumbaggery is based on that. And so when somebody who's not touched by the suck, who actually remembers what it's like to put the hand on the Bible and to say, I have an oath 
somebody who loves this country, who would die for this country, whether or not they've ever worn a uniform, and who feel as I do as a parent, that is my overarching duty to pass on to my sons a country about and in which they can be proud. If that's you, they're going to come for you. Just ask FBI whistleblower Stephen Friend. We've had him on the program. I can't fathom what it would be like. Well, I can because I'm a, I'm a news anchor and reporter traditionally. That's my training. And so I was deeply ensconced in media and information for decades of my life until one day I started to pay more and more attention to things that could no longer be chalked up as coincidental. Certain stories we were covering on the news that didn't make sense. Producers writing things that I knew they never came up with. We were cutting and copying stuff from the Associated Press, from Reuters. We were putting out the propaganda of the left. And I finally said one day, whoa, T.O., I can't do this anymore. And I was told, shut up and read the prompter. To me, the dream was dead at that point. It was over. For Stephen Friend, it was over when he started seeing the FBI activated against the lawful, going up against people like Mark Houck or Alfredo Luna, our friend in the Marines, who wasn't even in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, but still got a pre-dawn wake-up when the feds rolled up to his house in California. I want to read this to you. Exclusive story on redstate.com. FBI whistleblower calls House Republicans. House Republicans. Soulless demons. For voting for the new FBI HQ. The story. The FBI whistleblower, now a fellow on domestic intelligence and security services at the Washington-based Center for Renewing America, told Red State why he called House Republicans soulless demons after they voted for funds for a new FBI headquarters and have not taken steps to reform the troubled bureau. It was a mixture of being utterly frustrated and disappointed, he said. And the feeling of betrayal, because that was one of the, albeit symbolic, gestures that I felt was insufficient, said Stephen Friend, a former FBI supervisory special agent and member of the Bureau's SWAT units. Friend said when 70 House Republicans voted to improve those $300 million towards the construction of a new FBI headquarters in Greenbelt, Maryland, it was a direct contradiction of a concrete commitment made to him by Representative Jim Jordan, the chairman of the House Judiciary. The whistleblower said Jordan committed to him to him after he testified May 18th before the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government, along with Marcus Allen, an FBI staff operations specialist, and Garrett O'Boyle, an FBI special agent, when the three men went to the luncheon hosted by House Republicans on the committee. So these three guys come forward. They're like, we're going to... We're going to put our our jobs on the line because the FBI isn't going to want us back. We're not going to get 
treated fairly. I mean, we're essentially going to be blackballed and we will have a scarlet letter after we do this. But it is so important that we share with this committee of congressmen and congresswomen what we've experienced in the field and watching the weaponization of the FBI against law-abiding conservatives. Well, Jordan said, you know what? Well, we got your back. We're on your side. Well, no, apparently you don't, and you aren't. Their testimony focused on ways the Justice Department and the Federal Bureau of Investigation targeted conservatives for harassment, surveillance, and any chance to pull them into criminal proceedings. Another FBI whistleblower, Kyle Serafin, has come forward with similar experiences. Quote, We met afterwards for a few minutes back in the majority's offices and had a lunch set up. And he basically said, what do you think could be done to fix the FBI? And before we had a chance to answer, he said, obviously, they're not going to get a new headquarters. Wah, wah. The General Services Administration began the process of building a new FBI headquarters in 2013. In order to take the current headquarters, they, the J. Edgar Hoover Building, at Washington's 935 Pennsylvania Avenue Northwest, off the books. Then it goes through all this legislation. In 2014, the General Services Administration chose three possible sites, Greenbelt, Maryland, Landover, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. The agency announced on September 23rd it had chosen the Greenbelt site. But that decision faces challenges from Virginia leaders and FBI Director Christopher Wray. So, after they testify before House Judiciary, and they say, you know what, this is what we witnessed. This is what we saw happen. These were the heavy-handed, strong-arm tactics of our federal government going after people it disliked. And I'm not standing for this. And I'm willing to risk my life and my career to tell you all about this. Jim Jordan said, well, we're not, we're not going to vote for this. They're not going to get the FBI headquarters. Well, what just happened last week, my friends? 70 House Republicans joined with all of the Democrats. I don't know that to be a case. I don't know how many of the Democrats. I'm going to go with all of them. I don't know for a fact. I'll double check. To pass this bill, absolutely weaponized federal government that hates conservatives, who's gone after Catholics in churches, who've, who've muscled and strong-armed conservative parents at school board meetings, who've gone after people who said, you know what, I'm not really comfortable getting your mandatory vaccine. I don't want to do that. Well, you're, you're fired. We're not going to support the FBI and pass that $300 million. 70 Republicans did. Who are these people? Well, I spent some time over the weekend. And when you're going to go to Liberty Review, the conservative score on Liberty Review, and you're going to go through every single one of those 70 representatives, those 70 members of the House, who say that they're Republican, who say that they are conservative, who say they vote like you do, who believe in limited government, who believe in law and order and not weaponizing against one group or another in this country. They say they've got your back. Just vote for them, please. Who they are and how many of them fail, fail. Liberty Review's basic conservative scores Oh, my goodness. Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Network. Is there- 
Feels like not. So this former FBI agent, Stephen Friend, he steps forward to blow the whistle on things that are going on within the Bureau. Direct weaponization against conservatives. How does the FBI respond? Well, forget see something, say something. It's say something, get punished. He was suspended for 150 days. The FBI took away his security clearance, making him useless at the Bureau and for private security work. When the FBI denied his request to accept a fellowship, this fellowship he has at Renewing America, his lawyer said, you know what? You got to resign from the FBI before taking this job. And so Steve Friend did. And he said that when he testified before the, the subcommittee, Democrats on the subcommittee, led by New York's Representative Dan Goldman, hack, attacked him and the other whistleblowers relentlessly. And then when it was time for Republicans to ask their questions, they wasted their time speechifying for their local TV stations. And with the exception of Matt Gates and a handful of others, did not take the opportunity to draw on the whistleblower's experience building on the transcribed interviews the men had conducted before the hearing. Failure. You are all soulless demons, says Stephen Friend of House Republicans on the Select Subcommittee. I'm coming to you. I've risked it all. I've lost my job. I am now a black sheep. They hate me and they will exact revenge on me. But I need people to know what I've experienced. And I believe so much in this country that I'm willing to risk it all to come forward. And then House Republicans spit in his face. Who are these House Republicans who voted? 70 of them who voted to approve this $300 million for the new FBI headquarters. Well, I'm not going to read all of their names for you, but I do want to one more time point your direction towards conservative review. LibertyScore.conservativereview.com. What is that? It's a group of people who look at every senator's and congressmen and women man and woman's votes, the last 50 votes over the last six years, and they show, are they voting conservatively? What number score do they get? What is the letter grade of that? Obviously, an A means that your representative is voting in a conservative fashion. Fiscal conservatism, right? Doing the right thing. The 70 House Republicans who voted in favor of giving the FBI a $300 million bonus for sucking. How many of them do you think are F's? F's are not even remotely conservative. Would you be surprised if I told you the number was 26? 26 out of the 70 House Republicans get an F Liberty score. 17 receive a D. That more often than not... They are not voting with your conservative values in mind. Add the D's and the F's. That is 61% of these House Republicans who never seem to vote in a conservative fashion. Get them the hell out. Out. There were eight C's. One B and one A. This is the scary part, though. Of those 70 House Republicans, 17 of them are new freshman members 
who have no track record. They have no record on conservative review. 24% of these new freshman Republican lawmakers thought it was a good idea to give the FBI $300 million. Now, that can only mean one of two things. One, they don't care about your conservative values. They're in with the Uniparty. They said what they needed for you to vote them in. In they are. They plan to stay. And they will vote as Uniparty swamp creature things. Or, number two, and this is scarier, they don't know what they're doing. They're not aware of the issues. They're not paying attention to what's going on. They're not listening to the whistleblowers. They're not reading the headlines. They're not entrenched in the truth. And they don't care that the, the federal government is an extension of the Democrat, Socialist, Marxist, Communist, Progressivist Party. And they will stop at nothing to seek out and destroy any of us who get in the way of their plans. Just ask every single January 6th defendant who's either sitting in prison or whose life savings is being squandered by useless litigation by a quote-unquote Department of Justice using our taxpayer dollars to wrongly prosecute and imprison people for what? Shaking a fence outside January 6th, outside the Capitol? 18 years in prison? What do you think the people who tried to scale the fence at the White House should get for that? Besides nothing, because that's what they'll get. So... Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen, because still to come on the Wendy Bell radio program, it is time for us to get serious about hate, hate disguised as activism. That's next. So enemy of the state number four today enemy of the people i should say when it's when hate is disguised as activism we have a very unhinged unhealthy affected liberal progressive activist wing in this country if you've ever paid attention to what keith olbermann puts out on social media dude is off his rocker beyond there is a degree of anger and ire that I don't understand. I get frustrated with people, but I don't carry it around with me every day of my life. It's not baked into the fiber of who I am. Keith Olbermann, did you guys see the video of Carrie Lake? I guess she was going to be on with Steve Bannon, and there were a couple other guys there, and they started asking her questions. And the one fellow was quite literally mental. He went unhinged. And I, I feel, I kind of giggle because it's sort of like, oh, it's fun to see people self-digest. But it's so obvious to see that there is an extremism. There is, an, there is this weird, unhinged, unhealthy thing going on out there. And this activism. 
which has always been a part of, of college life, right? It's always been a part. How long is it going to be until we have another Kent State? I mean, honestly, that was over Vietnam. This is over just sheer lunacy. A, a vile and overt loathing of somebody else because they're Jewish. In no other realm in life is this acceptable except against the Jews. You can't hate a black person because they're black. That makes you a bigot. You can't hate somebody because they're gay. That makes you a homophobe. You can't like somebody because they're Muslim. You're an Islamophobe. But if you hate somebody because they're Jewish, meh, okay. What? Anti-Semitism, alive and well all over the place. Hate disguised as activism is a very scary thing. And we've got some really scary cranking up the notch on the heat in this crazed activism on college campuses. Some of these elite schools, you pay seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 to hell, Syracuse. And no offense to anybody who went to Syracuse. Would you put Syracuse in the upper echelons with Harvard and Penn and Columbia and blah, 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 blah? You would not normally. It's like $75,000, $80,000 a year. What? For your, co- for your kid to come home activated? To be a clone trooper? Hell no. How about being a welder? That sounds better. Here's your story. Pro-Hamas UPenn student arrested for stealing Israeli flag. So the crazy has gone on long enough. And now there are going to be some baby steps by these impotent, ineffective, and activist administrations. I mean, the lady who's in charge at Harvard, what's her last name, gay? African-American woman can be as ineffective as a college president as there might possibly be. Now they have to do one of something because the billionaires are pulling out. The billionaire Jewish philanthropists who were on these boards are saying, I'm done. Done. You're never going to get another one of my pennies. So this pro-Hamas University of Pennsylvania student is arrested for stealing an Israeli flag. I want to get to the story, but I want you to hear what this sounds like. A student from the University of Pennsylvania celebrating on a Philadelphia street. And she's going to say, she's wearing the, the, the scarf thing from the pro-Hamas scarf, et cetera, et cetera. And she's gleeful about remembering how she felt when Hamas broke across the Israel border and started butchering people. She was joyful. She was lifted. It was empowering. It's revolting. This is what is going on on college campuses. Listen. I'd like to share with all of you Do you guys remember the photo of the kids and men laughing and smiling as they sat on top of the Israeli military jeep captured by our freedom fighters? Yes! Do you remember that picture? Yes! How about the photos of the bulldozer breaking through the deadly border? Do you remember that picture? Yes! And the several other joyful and powerful images which came from the glorious October 7th? Yes! I want you to picture those in your mind. I want you all to remember how you felt when you saw those images and heard the news. 
I remember feeling so empowered and happy, so confident that victory was near and so tangible. I want all of you to hold that feeling in your hearts, never let go of it, channel it through every action you take, bring it to the streets. Yes! Go down to the streets every day and don't ever let them feel that you quietly accept this genocide. Wow. You know, if you would if you would have told me that was Ilhan Omar, I would have said, yep, sounds just like her voice, rhetoric, words, crazy, 100 percent. So here's a University of Pennsylvania student who felt empowered and happy during the glorious October 7th Hamas attack on Israeli civilians arrested for apparently stealing an Israeli flag. Her name is Tara Tarawana. I didn't say it right, and I don't care because I don't like her. Was busted by police on November 4th, accused of taking a flag that was displayed in front of a student housing near campus, blah, blah, blah. You'll say to yourself, wow, arrested for stealing a flag. Too little, too late. Wouldn't you say? How about this story? The karmic comeuppance, a pro-Hamas Harvard student, loses their job and housing for harassing an Israeli classmate. This is disgusting. It's not often we can report on these various days positive news from the Ivy League campuses. Today may be one of them. Harvard Crimson reported Friday that Elam Teddy Tamakio, a graduate student at the Harvard Divinity School, there ain't nothing divine going on there if this dude is in, is in any way indicative of the student populace at the Harvard Divinity School was let go from his job as a freshman proctor after video surfaced of him harassing an Israeli classmate. I mean, honest to God, let that thing sink in. Oh, God. Oh, right. And I hate you. I'm sorry, but those two things are mutually exclusive. My brother. The Crimson described the role of the Proctor at Harvard. This is what they wrote. Proctors at Harvard are graduate students, instructors, or staff who oversee a group of freshmen. They are unpaid and they receive compensation in form of of, of meal swipes and housing in a freshman dorm. So basically room and board, which, by the way, is a really nice incentive in school. According to this petition, Teddy Tamakio was asked to vacate Thayer, which was apparently the residence hall, on Friday. They they let this guy oversee freshmen. The video in question showed him joining with other pro-Hamas protesters at Harvard who were forming a circle around a Jewish student and refusing to let the student leave. This is grade school playground bully BS behavior at Harvard. Uh, sounds like Harvard sucks. Who wants to go to Harvard? Who wants to go to Penn? Who wants to go to college? If this is what is being taught or allowed. Joining with other pro-Hamas protesters at Harvard forming a circle around an Israeli student, refusing to let the student leave. How horrifying 
is this. Meanwhile, there are all these people with their phones. They're like, hey, let me get this. Hold on. All right, yeah, okay, that's good. Go ahead. Where is the one person with a spine? Where is the one person who's like, oh, hell no. How dare you? One person becomes two people. Two people become eight people. Eight people become a hundred people. But what we have is a culture of silence. Of browbeaten, bullied silence. And this cat, this guy, lost his housing and his food. See you later, buddy. Little too late, wouldn't you say? As we have Jewish students in colleges and universities, not just at the elite institutions of suck, but all over the country, who are worried that just because they were born Jewish, any, any different than how somebody is born black or anything else, but because they are born Jewish, they can be beaten up, they can be spat upon, they can have sitting members of Congress calling for their eradication from the river to the seas, says Rashida Tlaib. I mean, what? So while I'd love to say to you, way to go, Penn. You, you had the student who stole the Israeli flag arrested. Too little, too late. And you know as well as I that that headline didn't make it into the campus press. That's not in the Massachusetts bulletins there. That didn't make any headlines, nor did this hack Proctor. A black man who knows probably all too well what it's like to be in the crosshairs of people who suck joining in. How is this any different than that 1960s and 70s experiment by Jane Ruby, who was a schoolteacher? Where was she, Iowa? Where she took the blue eyes and the brown eyes and she separated the class. And one day the blue eyes were the ones who were in charge. They got to do everything first. They got special attention. They got praise. They got to go out to the playground. They got to eat in the cafeteria. And the brown eyes didn't. And the brown eyes felt beaten upon and depressed and sickened. And then all of a sudden, the roles changed. And how quick the brown eyes were to do the exact same thing to the blue eyes. Is it innate? Is it taught? And how do you stop it? Next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. All right, so quick programming note. I misspoke. Jane Elliott, 1968, The Eye Color Experiment. How quickly we can turn into monsters. How quickly we forget what it's like to be on the receiving end of suck. I, I, I dare, th- I can only imagine if she were still alive today. Who knows? She may well still be. Looking at the rampant and vile loathing that has taken root on our college campuses. Remember the story I told you last week 
about the, the Washington Post columnist who's, or excuse me, cartoonist, whose political cartoon showing a member, uh, uh, somebody who obviously was, was a Palestinian, uh, a pro-Hamas fighter, if you will, with the Hamas flag next to him, and then wrapped around his body were children. And obviously creating the very true, valid image of Hamas using civilians as shields, men, women, children, whatever. That's what they do. And the Washington Post was like, hey, we got some pushback. We decided to take it down. It's too controversial, you know, stereotypes. Well, cartoons are stereotypes, and it's a way of political conversation. So I want you to hear this. Cartoonist breaks silence after Washington Post removes anti-Hamas work amid cries of Islamophobia. I wish everybody, every activist would suck it. You know, if you would just shut your mouth and go out and get a job and do one of something that was productive, we would be a better place. A cartoonist who lampooned Hamas terrorists over their use of children as human shields and was censored, censured, censored, excuse me, by the Washington Post, reacted after the left wing paper's unfortunate canceling of his work. Michael Ramirez, who works for the Las Vegas Review Journal, has a collaborative agreement with the Washington Post, but his cartoon titled Human Shields was pulled after it was deemed to be offensive by woke whiners who have overwhelmingly sided with the Islamic savages who carried out acts of primitive barbarism in butchering Israeli civilians, including women, children and babies during last month's sneak attack on the Jewish state. I can't say that enough. I don't ever want to say it again, but we must remind people what we're talking about. The cartoon depicted the spokesperson for the Hamas terror organization with several small children strapped to him as a woman in a burqa hides beside him and says, how dare Israel attack civilians? An image that drew the usual howls about racism and Islamophobia from the Jew hating left. Factual. I think it's empirically true that Hamas uses civilians, both Palestinians and Israelis, as human shields, the cartoonist said Friday. I don't think it's a hidden knowledge that they operate their bases in densely populated areas and under civilian infrastructure, including hospitals. They fire rockets from densely residential areas and by design to sacrifice the lives of the innocent people, Ramirez said, pointing out the practice of the group to use civilians as cover. It's not negotiable. It might be an inconvenient truth to the hack Washington Post, but still. The paper not only yanked the cartoon, but issued a groveling apology to its overly sensitive readers. Whatever. According to this Ramirez, however, I think this part is very salient. He was on the fence about whether or not he was going to just yank his agreement from the Washington Post. He's a syndicated political cartoonist. He would lose money, but at some point, money obviously went up against principle. Principle wins if you're a principled person. So when asked if he was going to dissolve his his relationship with the Washington Post and essentially quit as a member of their staff, Ramirez said No. And he said no for a very important reason. 
if I quit, if there's no pushback, if there's no voice like mine to present through cartoons, the reality of what is going on, if there's not somebody who is a conservative the way I am to share the truth, then democracy does die in darkness. Then the left wins. Then they create this sterile bubble of suck information that's all propaganda. And so he said, after long thought, he came up with a plan and he said it to the Washington Post editor who squashed his cartoon. I will do two more. And you know they're going to be edgy. I'm going to do two more cartoons for you. And depending on how you respond to them, that will dictate whether or not our relationship continues. I think it's reasonable. Stop censoring the truth. Stop being a weakling who caves to the pressure of the bullies, the BLM, the Antifa, the Hamas, the people who protest because they've never worked a day in their lives and their identity is wrapped around being miserable. Being miserable, being loud, being agitators, disrupting the peace, sowing the seeds of anger. Period. So to Mr. Ramirez, we're going to be watching, sir, because you know it's going to happen again. Once the beast has been fed, once somebody has acquiesced to their crybaby and political requests, they're making me feel uncomfortable, but we support killing of Jews. I'm pretty sure you're not putting that genie back in the bottle. Enemies of the state, enemies of the people, enemies of what is right in this country. Hey, we invite all of you to come on back tomorrow. If you're new to the program, Wendy Bell Radio Network app, follow along on the live stream or check out our podcast, Wendy Bell Radio. No matter what, we're just delighted to be with you and you hope you come back tomorrow. Peace.